Good job. Thank you. Of course, we're in the book of Romans, and we're in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Before we have our scripture reading, I'll make an announcement. Next Sunday morning, we have a special blessing as Joe and Don Bell are going to come, and we're going to have the Lord's Supper together, and they're going to share with us some of the significant history and meaning behind the beauty of communion of the Lord's Supper. So a special time. I encourage you, of course, to be here as we celebrate together the Lord's death, which brings us life as we're together. So I encourage you to be a part of that. And also, of course, Sunday night, next Sunday night, uh, come and we want to occasionally be able to go somewhere out of the building and let people know that Kingsway Baptist Church is not just here. We want to be around Bristol with the message of Christ. So, great opportunity for us. Okay, commercials are over. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read the verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I also want to read it from the Phillips translation. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demand and moves toward the goal of true maturity. Let's pray. Master, we approach you. We don't deserve your blessings. And I love your word in John 1 verse 17 that tells us that they just continue to flow from your fullness, Lord. And what can we say, Lord, except thank you? And certainly not because of what we have done or that somehow we are significant and have impressed you, but it's because you have chosen to outpour your blessings and we just worship you. And Father, this morning as we look at a transition section of Scripture in the book of Romans. Father, may we be moved, Lord, to love you as a result of understanding how you love us. So guide us, Master. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, the message is entitled, A Compelling Commitment. I begin to think about commitment throughout the Scripture. And you go back to Abraham... As we see in Genesis chapter 12, and God says to him, Abram, I want you to go to a place where I know, but a place you don't know. And so he, he packed up and all the people he grew up with, all the people he knew, everything that was familiar, he left and he sought out in order to follow God. Wow, 
What a, what a compelling commitment. And, and then years later, you come to a guy who, well, he started out as a baby that ended up floating down a river. And then he ended up in the palace. And then he ended up in the desert. And as a shepherd, he was out taking care of the flocks when he saw a strange sight. There was a bush on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And out of the bush, he heard a voice that said, Moses, you're on holy ground. Take off your sandals in my presence. As there was this meeting with holy God. And then as a result of that, Moses would be used by God to do his great work. And then at a later point, there was an older man who had come to a house and he was looking for the next king, the one to be anointed. And he went through all these handsome Hollywood type sons of Jesse. But no, they were not the anointed ones. And then there come the guy that was out there actually taking care of the flocks. He was the youngest. And he would become king. King David. A compelling commitment. Then we, we come over to the New Testament. And we have a picture of, of a guy known as the baptizer. Of course, we'll claim him as a Baptist. John the Baptist. As he is in the water with Jesus. And as Jesus is baptized, there's a voice. <laughs> This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then one last commitment as we think about Paul, the one God would use pinning these words, the book of Romans. As Paul suffered and he had this thorn and he said, God, I'm suffering and would you please take this away? And we don't know exactly what the thorn was, but we know it caused Paul a great deal of pain. And he pleaded and he begged with God three times. And finally God came back and said, you know what, Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weaknesses. And then Paul came to this great statement where he said, I'm going to boast and I'm going to exalt in my, in my weaknesses and my struggles so that God may be glorified and, and, and God may be lifted up. As you look through the scriptures, you see how God would touch people's lives and they would be committed to him as there would be this compelling commitment. As we've looked in the book of Romans... 1 through chapters 11 dealt with the fact of doctrine. Dealt with the fact of belief. But now as we come to chapter 12, we come to a chapter that moves from belief to behavior. That moves from doctrine to duty. That that now becomes what we do as well as what we know. And it is a call to a commitment that comes from understanding the voice of God. The deep call and, and heart of God. You see, up to this point, all this that we've heard was vertical. Now it comes to a point where it becomes horizontal. It becomes not just a matter of, of what we believe, but what are we going to do about it? How is God going to impact our lives? And this first verse is about consecration. It's about dedication. The second verse is about transformation. The first verse says we are to dedicate our bodies The second verse says that we are to renew and transform our minds. The first verse looks around us. The second verse looks within us. As God is at work, as as He grabs a hold of our hearts. And and, and so let's start out as we look at that verse 1. And we look at this consecration. Which is a radical separation from the secular worldview to a godly purpose and a godly mindset. I want you to notice first Paul's passion. 
he takes that word therefore and he says, okay, guys, it's time now to to dedicate ourselves, to consecrate ourselves. He says, I urge you, brothers. You know, I heard, I remember hearing a sermon years ago or, or reading one, you know how it goes. I can't remember sometimes. You know, like uh, one of my favorite preachers, Chuck Swindoll said, everything's fair and love worn preaching. So, but anyway, as he's talking about dedication here, he says, that preacher, he went from preaching to meddling. And that's what we have here in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We go from this preaching, which is often, yeah, yeah, we know about Jesus, and yeah, yeah, we know about the truth. But this is about, but am I living it? Is it a part of my life? Is it who I am? <laughs> Does it flow out of me? And that's where we are in this dedication. And notice what he says. He says, I urge you. Guys, this is, this is not a poll question. This, this is not a suggestion. This is a plea. He says, if Jesus lives in you, that's what he's talking about. And then notice he says, it is in view of God's mercy. And, and of course, we, we talked about that the, the last time that we were together. That it flows from God's mercy. Man, the hope that we have, the, the love of God, it all flows from His mercy. It's not what we deserve, it's what we need. Is His precious mercy. He says, hey, I want you to take a good, hard, long look at the mercy of God that's been so wonderfully poured out to you. And I want that to be what directs you. And, and what is what's to happen? He says, the result of that is to offer your bodies. As living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. He says, hey, this is not talking about a bunch of religious talk. This is not talking about just running around and saying, praise God, hallelujah, at every chance we get. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But this is talking about that it's a total connect. Not just with our words, but with every part of us. And we're called to be living sacrifices. Not a sacrifice that has no life within. But a sacrifice that makes a difference. When it, it, it's not about who we are just when we're in here. It's about who we are when we walk out of here. It's, it's about God doing that type of work. And, and we live in a culture that doesn't teach that. We live in a culture that often goes against the call of God and the dedication of God. And so here we go. We move from preaching to meddling. <laughs> uh, let's start with our eyes and ears. He says, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What about your eyes and your ears? What do you look at when you leave here? What do you listen to? Now, I'm not trying to make a specific list telling you, you can't watch this show or you can't listen to this song. But I'm just asking you to listen to God's Spirit. What are, what are you listening to? What, what are you looking at with your eyes? When was the last time you blushed? Or the last time you walked out or hit a button to cut off that song or, or that show? Or When was the last time you... Oh, that's wrong. We're to be living sacrifices. Our eyes and, and our ears and every part of us is, is, is to be God's. What, what about our voices? What, what about our tongues? 
What about our words? Do they build people up or do they tear people down? Are, are, are we sacrifices with our mouths? Listen to James chapter 3. What a convicting chapter. Don't worry, I won't read the whole chapter. But just highlight a couple of verses out of here. Uh, he starts out at verse 5. He says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of its life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers... This should not be. He says, hey, this tongue isn't God's. Do we take the time and say, God, do my words edify you or do my words hurt who you love? These are the kind of questions we have to ask. What about our hands and our feet? Are they dedicated to God? The places that we drive. Is it where God wants us to go? The websites that we look at, is it where God wants us to go? Like I said, I'm not trying to tell you exactly what to do. I'm trying to, to look at it in view of God's mercy. And are you a sacrifice to God? Are your bodies dedicated to God? Man, you know, that's going from preaching to meddling, isn't it? As God asks us to look at those kind of questions. Back in 1874, Francis Habergill was 47 years old, a Christian. And she had one of those moments where she just began to investigate her own life. And she said, well, I'm a Christian, but... I'm not really living for God. I'm going to church. And when I leave church, I'm somebody else. And God got a hold of Francis' heart. And she said, God, break me. God, change me, Lord. I want to be yours, God. And as God got to working in her life, she got a burden for ten of her relatives. And she began praying for them and she began trying to reach out to them with the love of Christ. And find and praying for them with a burden. And the most amazing thing happened. All ten of those relatives ended up coming to Jesus. And as a result of that, Francis wrote this song. Take my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever all for thee. One more translation, Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is from the paraphrase of the message. 
So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, (laughs) and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So may our prayer be, God, may my eyes be your eyes. May my lips be your lips. May my attitudes be your attitudes. And I come as a humble offering. God, Wants us to be serious about our lives, guys. I'll never forget years ago, I heard Rick Warren say, we, we have a twofold problem. We take ourselves too seriously, and we don't take God seriously enough. Boy, isn't that so true? How often we take ourselves so seriously, and we, oh, look what he did to me. Or we don't take God seriously. God loves us. He knows what's best for us. Take Him seriously. Paul's saying that the body is the eye gate, the ear gate, and the voice of the Spirit of God through God's glory used for Him. All right, this second one here, um, it begins in the mind. Uh, now we move from that consecration, that dedication, the transformation, which is deliberate determination to think biblically and to act accordingly. May God keep us sober about our worship, how our lives are to take God seriously. And, and verse 2 tells us uh, not only about where we need to start, but where we need to stop. Notice what it says here. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Stop being like this world around you. Stop imitating those who control the culture. And ask yourself, do I look like I belong to God? Are the thoughts that I have, are they worship to God? Does it show that I love God, that I belong to God? Because often biblical truths and this world system are just totally incompatible. They just don't get along. They're just in conflict. And and the call here that, that Paul makes to the church at Rome and that God makes to all of us, don't, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Stop it. Don't, don't let it be. Um, a secularist and a believer have very different answers to the questions. What's the meaning of life? Uh, what about sexual matters? What about attitudes? What about failure? You know, in the world, failure, it seems like either one of two ways. Either they're going to beat you down or there's no such thing as failure. But not in the scriptures. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And that perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. God wants to make us like Jesus. He's got to work, and, and through failure, he, he's, he's changing us. He's, he's making us like Jesus. So, we need to stop acting like church and playing church, and we need to be the church. And, and the church simply means we understand that we belong to Jesus. 
our eyes, our mouths, our ears, our hands, our, our feet, that every part of us belongs to Him and our minds to be transformed by our thinking. Too often we worry so much about what people think of us that we forget about God. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, Fear of man proves to be a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is kept safe. Here's some words from Oz Guinness in his book, The Call. It is impossible to march only to your own drummer. Most of us do something with an eye to the approval of an audience. The question is not, do we have an audience, but which audience? Christ-centered heroism does not need to be noticed or publicized. Those who are seen or sung by an audience of one can afford to be careless about lesser audiences. (laughs) The greatest deeds are done before an audience of one. The greatest audience is an audience of one. And you know the one I'm talking about. You see, you guys aren't the audience. He's the audience. And we're all the participators offering our worship to him. Um, When asked why he was not stung by a vicious attack in Parliament, uh, Winston Churchill answered, if I respected him, I would care about his opinion. But I don't, so I don't. Too often we worry about what others think and don't ask God, what do you think? Because ultimately what matters most, what does God think? What does God think? Um, He is the model. Uh, We don't need to get caught up in the mood of the mob, but we need to live for Christ. We need to belong to Christ. We need to love people like Christ. But all that comes caring about what he thinks, not what the world system and the culture around us necessarily thinks. What does God think? Where's God's heart? And and what is our call to to belong to him and and to be his sacrifices and and to live for him and to follow him? The Christian's life's not merely about warm fuzzies, but it's about a renewed mind filtered through the scriptures so that we make choices that that belong to God, that are consistent with God and his truth and his word that he's given us. All right, I'm near the end of this thing. I want to close with evaluation. As we take time just to evaluate where we are. Um, I'm not looking for answers. I'm just looking for us to ask ourselves the questions. First, am I allowing the culture to dominate or weaken, weaken any area of my life? The answer to that is yes. Then God's command is stop it. Don't weaken your influence. Don't weaken how others see your love for Christ. Stop it. Stop slander. Stop gossip. Stop the lust. Uh, Seek to be filled with the Spirit of God. Find accountability through those who love the Lord. Stop it in His power. That's the call. Um, Next, have I permitted this age to dull or weaken my thinking? What what am I afraid of by taking a stand on this? What, What am I afraid of? We need to ask these questions. Confront the wrong. Lord, may I change to please you? May you be the ultimate one, Lord. That's the question. Um, The Puritans lived as if they had... I love this quote by Os Guinness. He said, the Puritans lived as if they had swallowed gyroscopes. The moderns live as if they swallowed gallop poles. When we go up to the judgment, there's not going to be a pole... 
And God's not going to tell us the percentage of people who did this or that. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9 verse 27, it's appointed for man to die and then to face the judgment. I will be responsible for me before God. And the question that ultimately matters is, do I have a Savior? Is my name written in the book of life? And then secondary, am I his sacrifice? Let's pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your challenge, Lord. It's easy for us, of course, to talk of grace and love and all that is so important and so fun to preach. But it's a little harder, Lord, when you aim both barrels back at the preacher. (laughs) Father, there are certainly times my eyes are where they should not be. My ears hearing what they should not hear. There are times where my feet go where they should not. My hands. Father, as we come to you, Lord, we ask that you be free to convict us, Lord. What do you want, Lord? (laughs) There are amazing things you can do through a people who really love you. And I pray, Father, that Kingsway, Father, that you might grab our hearts, Lord. Because it's you. You are the audience of one. So as we prepare to stand and sing, as you call, may we come to the altar and pray. May we really take a look at our hearts and just obey you, Father, wherever you may have spoken. Father, what a compelling commitment it's needed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.